Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, you miserable bastards, and welcome to what is potentially the final Jamie Coburn list misery hunters. So, um, you should be so lucky. But until then, I'm going to maintain my reign of terror and get it right up you, get it right up the rest of them and do whatever the fuck I want. And in that spirit, I'm joined this week, not by Craig, not by Ross, but by Sam Smith. All right. And by the returning three Pete Andrew Christie. Hat-trick of appearances. Game's gone. <laughs> a perfect hat-trick as well. <laughs> Typed all the stuff for the first episode with his left foot, then his right foot. Tonight, he typed it all his forehead. Yeah. I mean, that's you can't see because it's an audio medium, but I just did a perfect header there at the screen. <laughs> Incredible. And there we are. In a true miserable form, we'll go straight to an absolute shiter of an away performance. And talk about that for just about as long as, as our bodies will carry us, carry us until they give up. Um, don't believe any of us were at Pataudry. Fair oh. fucking play if you were. That's a, a hell of a trip to go to get pulled apart by Ted Glasso. Here we are. Not to recycle jokes off my own Twitter, but no one liked it then. So <laughs> I'm going to force people to listen to it. Um, I'll, um, I'll give you the, the privilege, Andrew, of, of attacking this one first. What are your thoughts? It was just, I mean, it's kind of hard to talk about this game in a different way than we've talked about in previous games because they were very kind of very similar problems to the ones we've seen. But um, we started. All right. I think we had. We I think it was a couple of minutes in. We had Brophy was played through by Shaughnessy, and rather than kind of dink it over the uh, Joe Lewis, he kind of went for for power, which you sort of think uh, a more confident Brophy would have probably put that away. And um, then you know it just kind of 
I kind of fell apart a wee bit. We talked last week and the week before about how we're not convinced about the back... Well, not the back three, sorry, the, the, the positioning of the back three, that rather. We're not convinced about that because um, we can kind of see that it leaves us susceptible to be kind of carved open and that's exactly what we saw on um, on Saturday. Uh, their first goal is as cheap a header as you'll see, like... Marley Watkins could have could have stopped, made himself a cup of tea, get back up, head and managed to get a rebound as well. It was it was really bad defending, yeah again. And the second was just, um, yeah, it came from uh, I was not setting up well, not knowing where we are. And there was question marks whether it was offside or not. It's, I've not really seen a conclusive angle. I don't I don't think it was as bad as a lot of people were making out at the time. But again, it was very, it was really poor defending. Uh, Lewis Ferguson was just allowed to, to walk through us and then jet. I think I think the ball actually came off Marcus Fraser in the end when it went through Ramirez. But uh, it was a cracking finish. You know, kind of watching Ramirez on Saturday, like what you wouldn't give for a striker like that, somebody that can sort of ghost in out of games. But when he gets a chance, he's just clinical and. He's finished. He went like he scored the head of the squad against us in Paisley as well. He's such a good finisher. And um yeah, I think I don't know. It's, it's just I don't know. <laughs> we um I think we played we played a, a, yeah again one feature of Goodwin's game is a sort of playing the wing backs very, very high, but it just it didn't really work. I, we, I thought Matt Miller played all right, to be honest. I thought um he looks like a player that's not played in a while, but the majority of what was asked for, and we kind of met, he met quite well. But um, yeah, and obviously it was him and Tanser that kind of combined for the goal. But as soon as their as soon as their fourth goal went in in sixty odd minutes, it was it was done, and it became a just a pure exercise in kind of damage limitation. And kind of was it not for Jack Anik having a a fairly exceptional performance to be honest it could have been embarrassing it could have been could have been double figures so yeah it's just another the latest in a long line of games that we just want to forget about and move on I think <laughs> I saw that slight um, rabbit in the headlights look in your eye about halfway through there which Aye. we've all had at one point where we've tried to talk on a weekly basis about someone without I mean without to be fair exactly that's the, the look our defenders currently have as well so. <laughs> and Jim Goodwin Aye. <laughs> I don't really, don't really disagree with what you said, Andrew. I think uh, I just think the defending for the goals is comical, man. I think the, the second one, especially, I've seen obviously a few kind of people were adamant that it was offside. That wasn't anything you need to do was watch one replay. Either that, I think if I think I if Fraser obviously plays it, he's made an attempt to play the ball regardless of whether Ramirez was standing inside the goal or not. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. He's, Fraser's made a deliberate attempt to clear it and good finish. Penalty box strikers do that. Yeah. Strikers high in confidence do that. And it's not really a surprise that if you give your strikers the ball in the box, nine times out of ten, they'll get a shot on target and more often than not score. But that seems to be a concept that's absolutely alien to us, is giving our strikers balls in decent positions. And I think, uh, again, obviously you touched on it, but the position of the back three was all other place as well. I think it'll probably highlighted the most in the third goal. If you've got players sitting in the right positions, if you've got Dunn on the left-hand side of the fence, he's the one that charges out first. Shaughnessy doesn't need to charge it to cover his mistake. 
I don't even know what Fraser is, to be honest, when that third goal goes in. And you've got Pibber running back further, further than everybody else. It's crazy how we've how we've managed to no take a doing like that with the position of the defenders because we all know that the three of them individually are good defenders. I think obviously include McCarthy in that as well. Get four good guys that can play central defence, but none of it seems to be working in the positions that they keep getting put in. It's so frustrating. Hopefully, us taking a bit of a thinking might convince Goodwin to actually put them in their proper positions going forward. I think um, you can kind of, because I know maybe just after the second goal, I think Shaughnessy kind of moves over to the left just to kind of try and deal with um, kind of Jets' physical presence, which I do understand, but also at the same time, Charles Dunn's no Charles Dunn's like a fairly sizable guy. He, that shouldn't be above him. And then putting Shaughnessy out there for the third goal, nobody seemed to know what they were doing. People were getting pulled away by runners. And like at one point, Joe Shaughnessy was just in the penalty box doing spinnies. It's, it's just no, it just looked, it was just an absolute shambles. And <laughs> I don't know, we kind of talk about like, we're not kind of privy to training. We don't know the thinking behind it, but we thought going into Saturday that the back three in that setup won't work and it didn't. So surely that's now the time to change it. I, I don't know, maybe it's maybe I'm oversimplifying it, but players playing in a natural position seems the, the kind of a no-brainer to me. I think none of us have the evidence as to why you would choose to do anything other than that. Yeah, that's, I think exactly that's right. the issue. We, we can only go by what you see once or twice a week in, in match performances, and it's, it seemed fairly obvious for a while that there's a there's an issue there. Good defenders shouldn't be conceding and a good goalkeeper behind them and a reasonable midfield in front of them shouldn't be conceding the you know the number of goals we are or the, the type of goals that we are. And I think the frustration is that we can't understand why the you know the what's the what's the quote about madness being you know doing the same thing time after time and expecting different results. I think we're getting into that kind of territory with with Goodwin and, and that's the kind of thing which can erode erode a bit of goodwill. I think as long as you see effort and, and kind of making attempts to change things and address things, then the majority of people think will kind of go with things and, and give you the benefit of the doubt and, and wait to see what happens. Whereas if the, the same confusing thing is, is served up week after week and, and it doesn't work week after week, then you know th- th- this isn't me by any means kind of rallying the you know, putting out a rallying call for 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 Goodwin's head or, or anything like it. I'm I'm definitely firmly in there we're we're better with him and, and should persevere camp on that. But you can understand why people are beginning to get frustrated and beginning to show that frustration and greater numbers and louder voices as well. I think we're we're definitely at that point. We've um, we've touched on, on stuff briefly there, but just to, to go through things and in order. Um Watkins with the header to to make it one now we're talking about poor defending there. It's it's Miller, I think, them going back and watching it earlier that that loses his man and it's it's just criminal. I think uh, if if you're right wing back when you've already got three centre halves is the one that has to be right right there on the near post. It needs to be someone who's aware of what his job is and he just floats off and allows Watkins Watkins space. And Watkins is a dangerous footballer. We can't we can't do that. And, you know, I think Anik does well to to save the first one. We're probably in a place where you can be asking questions about pamming it straight back to the guy that that headed it. And but I, I think the second ball's there. Sure, there. I think I think we no, should be better than that. I I think the I've seen 
you watch it back, there is a bit of a nudge on Miller, but but obviously before the original header for Watkins, but you know, Matt Miller's a you know, he's six foot three, massive, big, strong guy. He shouldn't have been shoved off the ball at that a fair guy. And it was just it was criminal for a guy who is a defender. Don't get me wrong, I don't I don't mind him. He's obviously a guy who's having to kind of get match fit off of an appearance here and there or a occasional start every three or four weeks. But yeah. I just think that uh, maybe maybe that goal doesn't happen if you've been playing a lot more than what you have. But it's smart for Watkins, kind of taps him in the back, knows Miller will go. It's probably back Anik nine times out of ten, but I think he should have done a lot better with the shot. The, the initial header, to be honest, I think it's kind of basic goalkeeping just to put it out to the side, don't pick it right out in front. But it's inexcusable how slow Hibbert is to get out to the ball after it so aye, all in all a, a really shite goal we can see and fair set piece again yeah I think the um, the second goal I've actually just started the same way in, in the notes I've got just said it's fannying about at the back aye. again same as the, the first goal it's if we're playing a back three it's it's for defensive stability it's for being organised you, know, you can make all the arguments for p- passing the ball out from the back and building attacks and, and all the rest of it but if you're if you're putting three guys on your team to play Essentially, central defence. Surely, that's with a view to being hard to hard to take apart, harder to play through. You know, especially expecting... especially with Power and Flynn in front of them. That yeah, shouldn't, that shouldn't be a defensive unit that allows Lewis Ferguson the time and space that he had in the build up to the to the second goal at all. Yeah, I think um, you know, no um, no secret that we're all Shaughnessy fanboys on on the podcast, but. Just seems as if he forgets Ramirez is there. I know the I know the deflection off of Fraser's. Uh, you know it's, it's a big deflection. No one's expecting the ball to loop twenty yards into there and fall at the back post. But if if Ramirez is their kind of main target man, you can't you can't just forget that he's floating at the back and he's going to put it in there. I think that's it's just shooting ourselves in the foot. I think that's the the issue. Everyone, you know, like for all the stuff about Scott Brown's canniness to to make the space for Ramirez to get his go the way of the, the home game earlier in the season. I don't think anyone was like complaining about the quality of finish from Ramirez and us not dealing with it and, and everything everything else. It's the same here. Like once he's got space at the back post, he's going to score. You can't really pick fault with it. But how we let him get into that spot as, you know, I know he's got tough competition with Watkins, but potentially their, their most dangerous player. The player that you least want to have the ball unmarked in your six yard box. And there he is. Um, it's it suggests at this point, I think a a wider problem, um, particularly given the nature of the the other goals as well. We can. Ab- sorry. Sorry, Andrew, you go. I think I was just. I think Aberdeen kind of set up quite interestingly. They kind of it's kind of hard to work out the formation. It seemed like a bit of a six-four almost. That kind of interchangeable front four just was just far too much for us to deal with. I think. Having Ramirez and having kind of runners around them is something that we should probably look at. Uh, I know we're going to get get on to the kind of Brophy absence later on, but in terms of having a a striker, like a, a, a penalty box striker with kind of bodies runners around them, I think Aberdeen did that really well. I think that's something we should sort of kind of take note of going forward because it was just we just couldn't deal with that at all. Straight out of the the glass hole. Playbook and he calls it the Alabama hot pocket. <laughs> um, we can stop moaning for for the thirty seconds if you want and talk about the and talk about our goal. 
Um, good finish from from Tanzer, and it, was it Miller that, that kind of made the space down the yeah. right hand side and put it across? I think at times when we're moving forward, the, the two of them seem to be the only two that we've got anything positive to to say about just now. Aye, definitely. I thought, I thought it was a good goal. McGrath done really well, obviously. I think if Pibber picks up the ball in midfield, gets it to McGrath. And Miller kind of shown what he's what he's good for. It's a big guy, plenty of pace. He's probably going to outrun and outmuscle most guys on the left-hand side this season. So, obviously, his right-hand side. Uh, I think it was a very good ball across as well. I think for considering Tanzer takes a lot of flack for being pretty one-footed, it was a Pretty impressive finish for me, and he uh, got us right back into the game. You know, at a point where, to be honest, I don't know, I think I'd put it on Twitter. It was crazy considering we went in at half time, 3 1 down, when I actually thought, by and large, we were the better team. I thought we had more of the ball and got what we deserved with the goal. I think it was a good wee period of sustained pressure for us. And I got what we deserved, got back into the game, and then the less said about the next minute or two, <laughs> the better. But. <laughs> I mean, we can talk about it if you want. So, uh, hi. Well, we will. To be honest, I had absolutely. I I I reckon if you can get any less than zero clue that it had happened, that, that would have probably been me. My volume was pretty low then, and then uh, kind of turned, looked down at the stream and uh, realised that that was Marley Watkins running away celebrating rather than us kind of butting about with the ball again. And uh, I couldn't believe it when you watch it back. It's a uh, Cameroon, I think I touched on it earlier. It's, it just shows you why you can't have guys playing in the wrong position at the back. I think if you've got done on the left, Joe in the middle and Fraser on the right, that goal doesn't happen. Guys are getting yeah. pulled apart all over the place. Be, be one simple ball, essentially. It's a long ball that starts the move. So it's just crazy how far and I don't I, I don't know where Flynn is either at all in the kind of build up to the goal. It's just so frustrating to you. To get yourself back in the game, potentially going at half time to one down, you give yourself a chance to get a point or maybe going for the three. And at that point, Aberdeen did look shaky. And uh, just give them give them the two goal lead, give them that cushion, something to sit on. It was daft, it's crazy. And it kind of sums up ever the run we're on so far, just to kind of a wee bit of hope and then lose it straight away. I definitely, I think, like you said, um, I mean, the most frustrating part of it was that we did look pretty good going forward for a lot of the time. Um, we seem to be getting quite a lot of luck down down uh, our right. I think uh, Johnny Hayes didn't have the kind of best game. There was that seemed to have a lot of space in behind him. And going down, if we went into half time two one, that's an entirely different game. I, I would kind of back us to get something because the momentum was was with us at that point. But it was a momentum that lasted all of about what, fifteen seconds. So. Uh, it's just game management yet again just needs to be needs to be so much better. Yeah, I think um, fairly similar to what we'll we'll say in a in a second about the the fourth goal. Good work from Hedges. He's a you know he's a, he's a, an intelligent footballer. His movement mm-hmm. is great, and I think he maybe doesn't quite get the rewards sometimes that he, he deserves for for how he plays. I think when he's on form, he's a really important player for for Aberdeen and. Um, did well to, to pull us apart there um, and, and, and lay that on. And I think, same again for, for the fourth goal, it's Hedges, Jenks and, and Watkins um, just make us look like, I don't know, maybe think back to that time we, they made us play a semi-final for the Renfrewshire Cup and they stuck us against um, Calton. Aye, and they played Danny like, Lennon. It was like 42-0 at, 
played it at Ralston. That's that's that. Like just players on their heels, not entirely sure what's happening. It's me playing FIFA against my sixty year old dad. <laughs> just criminal, so criminal, criminal yeah. goal we concede. You know, so if we, I think the worst part of it for me was Fraser kind of not crying yeah. Jenks. Like I just they just stand still and lets Jenks run all the way in behind him. Gives him near enough every single bit. I think he ends up passing his man on to Joe. Joe can't really do much by that point. And Fraser again just stands at the back post and Big Ramirez just runs in posts. I think everybody was too busy claiming about offside, but it's fucking simple. I tell 13, 14 year old kids every week, like play at the whistle. It's surely they should know that by now. And it just really compiled it was an absolutely fucking dreadful day and to be honest we're lucky it didn't end up 6-7 and seven after that but I'm like a great save through Jack throughout the game yeah absolutely 100% I think uh, I'm, um, I am I feel slightly defeated my my will to live is, is slipping away so I with, without much uh, much left to say in terms of goals and, and action and all the rest of it I, I think one thing to, to turn to that's it's worth noting is, is talking about how we're playing there and, and maybe signs of us trying to do something something a little different or, or where errors were. I saw we did we shared the the latest of your your articles for the for the site out today, Andrew, and, and reading it through. There was some interesting stuff you'd pulled together on just about um, where Tansler and Miller were were based for the entirety of the game, and it, it maybe says quite a lot about how we're playing just now and, and what we're relying on. Yeah, we just. Like, don't get me wrong, I can see, like, Jim Good, I've said it before, Jim Goodwin's clearly got a philosophy and he's kind of wedded to that. And some people call it stubbornness, I don't know, but we just, we seem to play our wing-backs sit so, so high up. And um, so, and Jack Anik, in previous games, you can kind of hang a hat on him, his distribution, but obviously made worse with the conditions on Saturday. It just, it wasn't great. Um so I've just got a couple of stats in front of me. I attempted uh, 25 long passes and only 10 found our man. And the, again, the majority of these were going to go to Miller, go to Tanzer. And um, in the in the article that um, that we shared earlier, uh, Miller and Tanzer's heat maps, they're both pretty much like corner flag, corner flag. They, they're so, so high, which is can be an effective way of playing, but it kind of requires a discipline from... From your your two holding midfielders and from your the the, uh, the two kind of centre backs inside, it requires more discipline for them. Otherwise, what you do is create just an absolute years and years of space, which we did. And for example, Lewis Ferguson found that he was getting space every single time, and that's what led to to the second goal. So, I think I know there's been a lot of talk uh, after after Saturday about whether whether the, the system works and whether the, the wing-backs work. And for what it's worth, I think it does, but I think it requires a little bit of a, a kind of shifting around and what that'll be, I, I don't know, to be honest. But, um, yeah, just leave, leaving that much space behind the wing-backs, we're going to get punished again and again. Like, I think about uh, Hibs and Saturday, for example, the likes of Doig on, uh, yeah, Doig on the left, um Boyle on the right, we're going to get absolutely torn apart if we let them. They've got the ability to do that and yeah, we just need to be a bit bit more disciplined and a bit more kind of wary of 
of how teams can take us apart because I do think we've got a lot of credit this season for the way we've kind of gone at teams, but it gets to the point where that's only worth so much. It's like we're losing games, but I kind of get patted on the back for for going for it, and that doesn't that doesn't really do much for you. So it's all about Brian Rice, isn't it? Exactly. I it's a. I think we do, do seem to be picking up a lot of kind of credit for pundits alike for saying that over a tough nut to crack, but the yeah, harsh reality is, see, when you've conceded 28 goals so far in the league, you're the fucking polar opposite of a tough nut to crack. We're actually pretty easy to play against. We're so so one-dimensional. You know? every, t- every team that plays us has a, a rough idea. If you've got a winger with a bit of pace, then you'll put some, you'll put some under a bit of bother. Ross County done it with Humbo. Uh, Aberdeen with hedges on Saturday. Guys just picking up the space in between the the left and right centre half of the wing backs are, are tearing us apart week on week. And I think uh, I really, I really don't. I, I'm a big fan of the free at the back. I think it best suits us. We got our best results last season playing a free at the back. But I think something needs to change a wee bit further forward. Maybe bring an Erehon, play two sitters, and have McGrath sitting just in front. Obviously, means you're going to have to sacrifice Ronan probably, but. Aye, I, I really, I don't know. And I'm beginning to lose the will to live and lose the enjoyment of watching football. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to start talking here, but I, I don't really understand what I'm saying and it could be a lot of shite because it's backed up by, by absolutely nothing. But I think the teams that that do have fullbacks or, or wingbacks like ours and, and, and better than ours that, that rely on them for that kind of, for that kind of play, you can, you can see how the system accommodates that so you know I can still remember watching Warburton's Rangers coming to us when they were getting promoted out of the, the championship and thinking that's the first like with Taverniers like that's the first time I've seen a guy who is a right back play almost the entirety of the game like and it seemed like in the final third and we kind of let that happen and, and then tried to, to combat it once we kind of adjusted to it but in order to allow that to happen and then in, in later times with Gerrard's Rangers you know, it's not that much of a stretch to be able to see Kamara drop out left and Jack drop out right, and and there's coverage for that. So Tavernier and, and Barisic or, or whoever it is have got that freedom to to go and push because they know that there's there's not acres of space behind them. There's a really competent, defensively minded, comfortable on the ball, good physical midfield option to cover. And I don't think we do that. I, I think if if you put both Erehon and and call it power. In that midfield and expect them both to drop out. Drop out. You're you're kind of leaving Ronan and and McGrath with you know sixty yards of of pitch to, to cover, and I don't think either of them are that that footballer. I think if you drop one of them back to play in midfield and maybe take power out of that, you're still going to be really weak on the right hand side. Where that's not really Connor Ronan's game. Erehon, when he's up for it and when he does it, can absolutely cover that ground and he's an intelligent footballer and, and technically capable and physical and all the rest of it. Still leaves a gap for us on one side and I'm not surprised to see teams pick us off in that manner and, and kind of target us. I think if, if Goodwin's going to remain wedded to to the system, as you say, Andrew, if he's going to keep playing us that way and, and our wing-backs are going to sit that high, we, we need to look at the midfield and and the bodies there and what they've been asked to do. I think even like early in the season when Reed was there and Reed was comfortable playing a bit deeper and covering, I felt a bit more confident that we were actually playing to try and get the best out of difference makers in the team. Just now, I, I, I don't really get that. That's that's not the sense I get. That could be my ignorance about 
tactical notes and all the rest of it. I'll hold my hands up to that. But as a as an idiot observer, that's that's what I'm seeing. I, I don't think we're I don't think we're playing to our strengths. Aye, well, we're, we're one game away from me screaming at the top of my lungs, four, four, fucking two. To be honest, <laughs> make that story. <laughs> four, four, two, Pereira. Aye, I've I've seen that clip on Instagram like three or four times now. I still don't know who it is. Is it the Galatasaray Aye. manager or Fenerbahce manager or something? Eh, one of the two. Aye, Aye. Yeah, they're, they're one of the small clubs. teams. <laughs> both, both, both very small clubs. <laughs> very small clubs. Hashtag get it right, always. Um, and with that, we'll be back after this. And so, from that, we'll talk about something entirely happy and positive. And no, no, it's Eamon Brophy, the one player on our front line that's capable of scoring goals, who's now out for a month. <laughs> Get it right up, is. I think there's a conversation to be had here. We've, you know, we've argued the case for Dennis and Maine, and well, no one's argued the case for Lee Erwin, but. <laughs> for, for guys getting minutes, I think we're at a point where other options might need to to come into it. And I know that there's at least one um, theory that's been out on on Twitter, and I think Black and White Army. It's probably on Pie and Bovril Facebook and Telegram as well about a, a slight change in shape. One of you guys want to to take the I, take the hit I'll, on that one? I'll go for it. Uh, I think I've obviously seen a lot of the kind of people that are saying that we, we need to go to a, a back four. No, we don't. Uh, a back four does not solve our issues. A back four probably makes it worse, to be honest. Yeah. Because we don't have a guy, we don't have a left back. Uh, for as good as Tate is, and for as happy as I'm to see Tate start, he, he's not a left back. He's, he's right-footed. It knocks the balance the team well off. I don't think we'd get away with Tanza left back. I think Tanza is... Tanzer's probably my favourite out of the lads that we signed in the summer. I think he contributes really well going forward. I think he is good enough defensively to be relied upon in 1v1s constantly. No, so there we go. We can't play him. Left back, right back. I'm probably going to say the same for Miller. I think defensively, maybe some question marks. He's probably a bit more physically suited to it than Tanzer would be. But again, then you'd be going back to Tate. And Tate at right back's fine, but you obviously need a guy on the left-hand side. I think uh, it was Coventry Saint on Twitter. Had, uh, probably had the best, the one that looked most appealing, the one that looked as if it worked the most, would be a kind of 3-4-3 three, three sort of shape that well, most, I think it's what kind of Chelsea play. Obviously, Chelsea's have their two centre midfielders are N'Golo Kante and Jorginho, and we've got Erehon, Pivot and Flynn. But I think it's definitely something that could be looked at and something that definitely suits... The players that we've got, you know, we've got guys like Kilty, McAllister, Fro Henderson into the conversation as well, who McGrath as well would probably flourish in the kind of wider roles coming in off yeah. the left and off the right. Even if when Brophy's back fit, give him a go and off the left, he might, I think he scored a couple of goals coming in off the left against Ross County and Hibs this year. Uh, but I think if you've got guys like Dennis through the middle, guys like Maine, you know, Main will do well to hold the ball up. The less said about, obviously, that monstrosity, Lee Irwin, the better. <laughs> but I think for the meantime, while Brophy's out, I wouldn't mind seeing us giving the 3-4-3 three, three a go and putting Dennis through the middle or putting Main through the middle. You go with Dennis, you get a guy who, funnily enough, if you put the ball in the box, will score goals. More goals than Danny Mullen, I might add. And uh, Curtis Main will hold the ball up and bring in the kind of more 
goal scoring types into the game. But aye, just some, something does need to change. But going to four at the back is not going to make our season any better than what it currently is. I think, yeah, that's pretty much nail in the head, to be honest. Um, I kind of echoing what you said. Four at the back is not not how you solve it. That's that's um, that's not going to fix anything. It's going to make it ten times worse. But yeah, I'd be interested to see how if um, this sort of three four three that was kind of muted on Twitter would be. I don't know if that we might maybe see Kilty a wee bit more of him in this system. Um, I don't know if we. I th- yeah, obviously Kilty was kind of brought in with the understanding that McGrath was away maybe sooner than sooner than we expected. Uh, obviously, that might still happen in January, but yeah, I'd like to see what Kilty can do. To be honest, he's he's come on a, a few times recently, and he's looked he's looked sharp. He's looked like he he can make stuff happen, and he's he's played played out wide before. So whether he plays in the kind of whether it be the right of a kind of front three, as it were, that I think that's something to something to kind of look at. Um, I think Dennis, we were kind of saying it earlier, um, Dennis is somebody that he's been required to get fit and get back into match sharpness with kind of refits and starts here, here and there. And um, he's a player that benefits from a run in the team. I think, I think he's probably the most kind of natural finisher we have. Um, and if he was to be, if he was to get a rerun in the team, and if he was to get the service and if the ball falls to him in, in the box, you know, nine times out of ten, yeah, you back him to put it in, put in the goal. So I I think it's not it's not a time to kind of totally rip up and start again, but I think that our changes have to be made for sure. I think um as well with with what you were talking about there specifically, about what Coventry Saint had posted on on Twitter, and I think he did also put it on on Black and White Army. The, the prospect of of maybe accepting that McGrath could be of most use to us, given that that role much much higher up, use the use his ability on the ball and his creativity, and, and almost play him in that kind of false nine spot. Mm-hmm. I'm not against us at this point trying something a bit a bit different. I I, I wouldn't put Curtis Main in to start for us at the weekend and expect him to score one or two. I, I just don't I don't have that that feeling. I I don't. I don't dislike Christian Dennis as a footballer and I think he's a really effective sub and I think if you're just wanting to replace Brophy like for like it probably has to be Dennis I think you're, you're changing everything to put to put Main in there and it doesn't play to his strengths I, I think giving McGrath that kind of more central role and, and seeing what he's capable of I, I think if we had a bit more flexibility in terms of the run we were on and who we were playing and everything else that there might be a bit more scope to do that I, I don't know if with good and I'll I'll feel that kind of level of, of comfort in order to experiment a bit. But I think in a you know in some kind of fantasy match that was rolling around this weekend instead of something that, that we kind of have to take three points out of, then McGrath in that role. I think Kilty at his best as a 10, um kind of coming into the yeah. the box from slightly deeper and more central. But I think if you're playing that three four three and playing players to their strengths and you've got Tancer on the left, you're you're not really needing as much out of your your left-sided attacking option in that team, so I, I think you could potentially play Kilty in that left-hand role. You're, you're not expecting a you know a kind of full winger shift out of him. You've got Tanser to, to to do that. I wonder if Kilty kind of floating on on the left of that McGrath more central, and then I don't know if you give you give Kyle the shout on the right, knowing that he's got 
Miller or whoever else behind him and he's not going to have to start from 50 yards out and and manage to A, run 50 yards without stopping, but also hold on to the ball and potentially beat him in. I think that maybe plays to Kyle's strengths as well. He's He's, he's been at his best for us since he came back as a slightly more central, slightly deeper option where you're you're making use of what's good about him, his creativity, his skill on the ball, and not relying on him to to be a kind of dogged winger, which he's he's just not. Mm-hmm. I think you put I think you put McAllister, Kilty, and McGrath in there and just kind of let them just vibe it. Yeah. <laughs> then potentially I, I there's something that can be done there. Something something that's more interesting than Curtis Main playing up front himself in front of or Main and Dennis playing ahead of McGrath and us doing the same as we've done for the last six weeks. I, I think that's potentially something worth looking at. I, I, you know, if I was sitting with a football manager in front of me and I was had the exact same set of of circumstances here, I'd probably do that, but I would shortly after be getting the you know Someone would be getting trotted out. Gunny Toffison would be speaking to 90minute.com and saying that he fully believes in my abilities as a manager and thinks he'll turn it around. And then within 15 minutes, I'd be the, the Dover Athletic manager. But I think, the only, I, I think the only thing about that is that Curtis Main seems to be very much kind of Jim Goodwin's man. So I, as much as I, I can agree with what, what you're saying there, I, I would like to see something a bit different. I think we could probably expect Main to start on Saturday against Hibs. Um, yeah, who who will be kind of up alongside alongside them, and then what what form? Uh, I don't know, but I, I think we'll maybe see main start on Saturday. Yeah, I think if Kilty's fit at this point, just because something has to change, you're, we're not going to get different results. Get Kilty in, give him give him a start if he's fit. I think Ronan would maybe benefit from maybe a wee, wee spell at the team. Um, I've been a massive fan of his since he's come to the club, but. Uh, I just he seemed a bit a bit leggy recently, so I I think maybe maybe even county for him would would be a shout. I can't tell what job Ronan's been asked to do either. I think that's maybe part of it. Yeah, he, he seemed to slot straight in earlier on, and then when we first started playing, that you know the two tens floating behind, floating behind Brophy, I, th- I think Ronan really flourished. But for the last four, five, six games, I've not really known what what's expected of Ronan. He's kind of showing up deeper and. You know, kind of a bit of a water carrier and shifting the ball about because he's a capable passer and better than who's behind him at doing that. But then we're a body short further up. We've got two strikers playing and the ball's going over Ronan's head to get to them. And then he's kind of expected to mop things up and do the kind of shift Alan Powers doing, which which isn't his game either. I think he's suffering from the fact we're suffering. And and maybe yeah. a, a wee break and then a kind of renewed purpose in the side is, is maybe a good thing for him. Um we've we've kind of danced around it anyway, but we've got Newly Jack Rossless Hibs at the at the weekend. I'm, I'm sure I speak for everyone when I say that we're 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 gutted for for Jack. Um, you know, it seems a, a real shame, and it'll be a real shame that we won't be able to welcome him back to Paisley and give him the kind of reception that he he deserves, having played such an important role for our club. Aye, well, I'd probably give him around the applause, <laughs> but. <clears throat> To be, to be fair, the lunatics are running the asylum now, Matt, so we can actually make this a Jack Ross fanboy podcast if we want. But nah, I think I uh, it's, that. It's, it's, it's not as easy a game as what people seem to think it is. Obviously, the suspensions yeah. to McGinn and Hanlon and injuries to Port Ace last night probably mean there's going to be a bit of, a bit of movement in their team. Obviously, I think it's David Gray, Eddie May, and the Craig Sampson that are the in temporary charging 
like we found when Dundee lost 5 now to Ross County, teams always, always, always get a reaction to their poor performances before. Whether they've got a new manager or no manager. It's going to be a tough game. Hibs have got players that can hurt us, like Boyle, but Dodge, I'd imagine they'll probably change back to a, a back four as well, which means they'll be able to get maybe Boyle it on the right-hand side to have a go at Tanzer and uh, kind of put Doyle a wee bit more further forward on the left-hand side. But aye, it'll be a tough game. But again, we haven't particularly played bad other than that Aberdeen game lately. And we've not really looked out of a game. So, you know, there's always a chance that we can nick something and Saturday kind of really needs to be the one to do it because the next two games after this are a horrific time to try and get a first win and what could be, you know, nine or ten games at that point. I think, um, I, I think Jack Ross getting sacked today is pretty much the worst thing that could have happened to us before this weekend because it just throws it, all, any preparation that was done, it just throws it up there because you don't know how David Gray is going to set up his side, I think. One one thing that kind of made me feel a wee bit confident going into this game, other than kind of Hibs uh, terrible form, was the fact that they did name kind of I think unchanged an unchanged eleven three times in a row maybe definitely twice. But so Kenyon knew how they were going to set up. Like Boyle had moved from that position on the the right wing to he was playing up front in a two with Nisbet. Uh, so we kind of knew what we were getting, and now the new manager, like sorry, a caretaker manager coming in. You don't know if he's going to rip it all up, try something totally different. It's just, it's just so up in the air, and I, I, I don't, I'm not feeling good about Saturday at all, to be honest. Um, suspensions and injuries, uh, or not, I think, I think, like I think every week we've got enough to, to, to kind of get it done. But that's we've, we've said that before, we've seen that before, and it's not been the case. So, I not my. My kind of happy clapping tendencies are kind of waning by the week at this point, to be honest. <laughs> I think um, Hibs are a team that even when they're in, in shit form and have a bit of drama going on, the players they've got are always going to be capable of causing you causing you real problems. And, and more than most teams, they were the team that, that I saw us play against last year and thought, like, I just don't see us laying a glove here for the entire, the entire 90 minutes. I think that that mistake's gone. I think you don't lose seven games in nine to the teams that they've lost to and remain untouchable. I think it. I think it more comes down to us than them. To be honest, I think. Uh, you know, I think they probably will go to a back four for for numbers reasons more than than anything else. Would you assume that one of those centre halves is going to be Darren McGregor? I think um, it will be. I think more than likely be. McGregor and the boy Wood to Middlesbrough who's not maybe. really played that much so or maybe put, John Potter or maybe well. they put Gogic back I don't know aye yeah. there's they're, they're a team that's there to be got at but it's all dependent on our shape you know Hibs could there's a chance Hibs could turn up play bad and still win on Saturday such as the way that teams have kind of came and took points off us this season teams haven't had to do anything particularly special to beat us so aye we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens but I'm really not confident and don't really trust us enough to go there and take advantage of the, the opportunity that's presented itself. I mean, saying that, quite often the games that I kind of go into expecting the least from, you kind of see performances, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not, not feeling great about Saturday. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it's, we can talk, we could talk for another 20 minutes about Hibs's 
squad options and, and what they might do and, and what they might try to do. And, and there is the element of the unknown, obviously, because they've got caretakers in there. I think this game is probably going to be decided based on what we do. And yeah. I think there's every chance we, we put in as close to the weekend's lineup as we can with them, um, with Brophy subbed out. And if that happens, then I hope it works. Because if it doesn't work, then I think that's, you know, like 100% guaranteed you can take this to the bank, boot off at half time and in full time in true Paisley fashion. Yeah. Um, Listen, there's a and chance we'd get booed no off at half time if we were winning 1 0. So, yeah, true. You, you can't make decisions on that basis, but I think a defeat on Saturday, as much as it's uh, no what I want the now, I think it'll probably force a lot of people to start pointing towards getting goody at the door. I think a lot of people are kind of at their wits end waiting. I, I think it'd be a backward step getting rid of him, to be honest, but. Aye, it's you know what football fans are like, and our support especially if things start to turn. I think uh, yeah. there probably will be a lot of shouts for Goody said, which obviously isn't nice to hear. But I hopefully for the club's sake and hopefully for his sake, he can turn it around. He turned around much worse, you know. I think I think I'd said it last week. The run we were on last season, we were losing games. You know, we're drawn quite a lot. I think we've got the most draws in the league. I'm sure. We're not really getting gubbed other than Saturday there. So hopefully a defeat to Aberdeen was it kind of kind of turned it around for his last year. We realised we had to change something and uh, hopefully this year getting pumped off of them up at Petodges, but does it this year? I think so, something's got to give eventually. And I just I just worry that kind of giving Goodwin Hibs range Hibs Celtic and Rangers taking like sort of make or break his, his time is at someone is it's not gonna go very well. But I mean I'm 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 very much in the the, the camp of like he's he's a man to kinda to kinda make it right. But the patience is certainly getting less and less around the club as as the, the games go on and um one of our fan base that keeps our cards close to our chest and like you said if if it goes badly we'll be getting Moved on to the pitch, never mind off at half time. So, aye, we'll see. I mean, I'm I'm comfortable with Goodwin still being the man. I don't, I don't really have any any doubts about that. I'm I'm not. I don't want to sit and tolerate mediocrity and all the rest of it. But I, I do think Goodwin's a talented young manager with with real ideas. We've got a bit of stability which we've not had in, in so long. Mm-hmm. And at a time when there's so much other nonsense going on in the club actually having a long-serving manager who gets what we do and and all the rest of it and who's shown that he's capable of getting results out of us and, and pushing us on to, to try and set new targets. I'm all for giving that guy a lot more time. I think the issue now is that you can't really begrudge some people not feeling the not feeling the same and beginning to get restless about it. I think that's where we're, we're sitting. But fingers crossed, next time we do this, we're all talking about an incredible... I can play. We'll get it up your performance to the Aye. to Jack Ross's former boys, but we'll we'll see. I how mean, it goes. it's it's pretty much since you've got me on the podcast that that things. <laughs> so maybe maybe we'll win. I'll never come back, and everything will be fine. We'll we'll get into <laughs> Europe, and I'll meet you in I don't know Albania or something for the Moldova conference. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if if we ever do get a European tie, I do want it to be as far away as possible. I know. Yeah, yeah, so I, want, I want to get a bus from the Bull. To Karagandi, 
I want I want to go to Baku or something. Um, aye, be a good laugh. We can leave that for the 2026, 20, 27 season or whatever season it is that we're we're potentially breaking into the top six. I think uh, I think we've had quite enough of the of the negative shit. Correct. And we need we need to do something to lift the spirits. And and what says lifting the spirits like? Man of the people, Sam Smith, getting to pick someone and nominate them into the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame. And uh, I'll leave the rest of the intro to the man himself. Hello, this is Billy Mehmet, and this is the Billy Mehmet Hall of Fame. Let's do the dance. And yet, having put it out on poll, we, we gave people the option of putting in someone who, you know, was a true fan's favourite, who was an all-time great and legend of the club, maybe a record holder, or letting Sam pick someone that he wanted to put in just because he wanted to put them in and, and the people have spoken and it's Sam's choice and I'll let Sam himself announce that to you. Democracy Aye, so. does not work. Aye, it does because I was always going to win that. I was getting right <laughs> for me to win it. I'd have bought, bought accounts to vote on it. Would I think we did more votes on that than we would actual listeners to the podcast? <laughs> It was like a Zimbabwean uh, election. I think we had, aye. of the 124 votes cast, 125 of them were for Sam to, to pick. Aye, I think, uh, so I could have, but I was, you know, going to go down the route of, you know, putting in a guy like an Andy Dormera, as Malgan Calves, but, you know, they're the sort of guys that we'll get to eventually are kind of shooing, so I wanted to kind of go for a guy who flew under the radar for, for the years that he was here and was always a, a great player. Never never let the club down at any point. was a, a great servant, and uh, for me it would be Stevie Thompson, no the big one, the wee one, uh, probably well remembered as he says himself after the two goals he scored against Celtic, but I think uh, obviously he came to his face bright and he came, did he actually, to be honest when you look back, I think the freeze came in touch, he had a good career, played for a couple of good teams, and, uh, mm-hmm. good spells at you know Crystal Palace and Brighton, Falkirk's at Munch, so all good teams, and uh, I was a for the three or four years of the series, he was a, a great player. I was just a wee bit gutted. He never like, we pulled the contract and he wasn't here maybe to win a cup and get a wee bit regarded as a wee bit more of a hero for what he was. Obviously, everybody will jump to the, the two goals against uh, Celtic. Obviously, kind of puts his name in St. Murn folklore. You know, he could have done absolutely nothing for the rest of his days, but he was, he was always good, whether he played in behind the striker, played in you know, kind of holding midfield right in the midfield, box to box. I think he, sometimes Danny Lennon popped him at the wing as well. He was a, a really good servant for the club. And uh, aye, uh, a guy who kind of glad to touch on him, give him a wee bit more credit than he's maybe deserved. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I was a big fan of uh, Steve Thompson, actually. I think, uh, again, kind of as we were talking about with Stelios last week, he, he properly fits the bill of sort of cult, cult hero, Hall of Famer, because... Um, does just go under the radar that one bit. He's obviously it's hard to talk about without talking about the Celtic game, but I was a very intelligent footballer, quite good, very good on the ball. Um don't want to say before his time, but I was it was quite underappreciated, I thought. And um I it's, it's great to hear the name. <laughs> <laughs> it was a, a true golden era for fan chance. You know, the, the two Stevie Thompsons was was incredible. And an era that I like to think back to often. I hadn't um I hadn't realised until I did the, the same, you know, kind of fairly sparse research that, that all of us have done before this, because there isn't a huge amount written about the man. But <laughs> I hadn't realised they arrived at the club on the same day as the last game at, at Love Street, kind of changing of the 
changing of the guard at the start of 2009 and also that he was tapped up by Jack Ross. I think um, it's, it's nice to hear of Jack Ross bringing a player to someone for a change. <laughs> it feels like we've not done that for... It's, it's a bit of a precursor for that. Yeah. Um, I assume that, that he'd maybe played with Jack at Falkirk. It would have been. And I think Ross had, had played himself down south for, for a while, so I guess they had fairly similar circles. Um, and had, he'd done a bit of scouting on Gus's behalf and, and brought him to the club. Looking at his um, his stats, I think um, I think Wikipedia has him down as playing almost ninety games and, and scoring nine goals, which gives him a, a one in nine record, which is roughly equivalent to four junior Marias's. <laughs> a one in thirty six record, if, if you're a maths fan. Um, yeah, I think uh, we'll, we'll talk about the, the kind of main Stevie Thompson talking about, um, but shortly before that. Um, and as he mentions himself, it was it was he himself that was scythed down by Kevin Thompson in the Aye. in the nine man final. Um, a game that never of, happened. Aye. Exactly. Yeah, I remember it. No point in even talking. I mean, if it had happened, we could have talked about how how good it would have been to see to see him get some some silverware. And I think the you know the kind of status he had and he shifted to indefinitely deserved that. And and again, there's there's an article out there that we've all read start to finish five or six times to mine for information and I don't think it's lost on, on him either as a, a key part of that squad that they should have done better and, and that was their chance and, and they really didn't have to wait too long after moving on to see to see us at one side see something through and and, and what came of that and, and the, the kind of hero status that was bestowed as you know after that so I think um, it, it really wasn't far from being one of those guys for for us either and it's a it's a bit of a shame, but um, with that being said, he didn't have to wait too long in order to to write his name into the into the history books again. And um, what is known by just about everyone as the Mowbray game. I I didn't see this game. I was working a a late shift at MS Silverburn this night, where you weren't allowed your phone on the shop floor. But I I did have my phone next to my till and was getting texts through, and thought my mates were at it and taking the piss the entire time. <laughs> I had uh, and I, I was not there myself. I uh, that was at the point where I was still going to the Panda Club. I think at some point, <laughs> but uh, I never went. I had started playing football kind of recently around about that time, and I remember I, I went to training, came home and watched the game on ESPN. And my papa never never did Sky up in the house, so he was a Burn fan, but he never went to the game. And uh, I remember before the game started, he phoned me and he said, "Can you phone me and let me know what the score is." And I made a point of phoning them right after every goal. And I think it got to the third or fourth. And it was like, right, you're winding me up here. <laughs> uh, which clearly wasn't the case. And aye, just, just brilliant. Just, uh, I think guys like him really deserve nights like that. They might not have their silverware, but people always have something to remember them by. And aye, what a, what a night to be remembered by for two goals and a famous 4-0 win against them. Because that'll never happen again. No. I think kind of reading that that one article that we've all definitely read because that seems to be all that's out there. You can uh, you can tell he still kind of holds the club quite close to, to his heart. Um, he obviously enjoyed his time here, and I think I don't think we're in the a minority of fans that really enjoyed him as well. And um, I the Celtic game, it's it's not it's not anything we'll ever we'll ever see again as as Superman fans. I don't think um, it's just start to finish, just an absolute belter, and he's always going to be. Kind of extra strength of the walls of the, the club on, on the back of that. So, yeah, more power to him. 
I think, you know, you talk about how bad the Mowbray rain was at Celtic and, you know, like, I think Paul McGowan started that, that game for for Celtic. I think Josh Thompson was at the back for them. The, you know, it was by no means a vintage Celtic team, but you're also talking about Robbie Keane mm-hmm. and, and I think Samaras, both, uh, both starting that game, both guys that have scored at, at World Cups are... There's, there's, that doesn't diminish in any way just how monumental a, a performance and achievement that was to to, to put for past them. Mowbray himself, I think, when he was talking about the game, had said, you know, you know that, that things were bad and, and when things are bad, you chase them to try and change them and they had six strikers on the field by the end of the game. And Aidan McGeady so, playing left-back. <laughs> Edson Braffite also uh, played that game and was uh, was absolutely mugged off by... The, the person that the Hall of Fame is named after in order to to facilitate, I think, uh, I think Thompson's second goal as well, Edson Braffite, who then went on to play in a World Cup final. Six um, months later, I <laughs> So, you know, these are things that shouldn't be um, shouldn't be overlooked, I think. Scoring two against that team is an achievement. Being part of a 4-0 win is, is an achievement. Being part of a clean sheet against the Celtic side with World Cup defenders and strikers and all the rest of it. Is an achievement, and and Stevie Stephen is central to to that. I think uh, I think he has written his name into the to the record books there. And Dorman is the kind of go to cult hero, but for me, Thompson's just as a uh, just as important on on that one as well. I'm maybe scraping the barrel here, but did you know that in uh, in 2011, Stevie Thompson and Stevie Thompson both scored for St. against Hibs. And then I the following weekend, road. yeah, the following weekend, Hibs played Berwick in the Scottish Cup, and their right back was called Stephen Thompson. Aye, isn't that good. fascinating? Aye, I remember that game. I think we Stevie Thompson's what was a a cracker, a good passing yeah. move. Tomo, big Tomo, cuts it back to uh, Thompson at the edge of the box. And it was a, a great finish. Aye, that was that was a good game. Took one two one, didn't they? Gary O'Connor scored for them. Aye, and I was, uh, he was firmly in his Gary O'Donnell phase at that point. Uh, he was a, a big boy. He <laughs> <laughs> started throwing it in. Sorry, I couldn't get any better than Ted Glasso, but oh. uh, Gary O'Donnell's pretty good. <laughs> um, he also scored a double for his away to Cali in uh, December 2010. Um, you know, for nine league goals and for four of them to come in doubles in games that we we needed them is. Is, uh, is no mean feat, oh, and I think uh, what shouldn't be forgotten is that those two goals, to I think, to, to get us back from one down, maybe, against Cali and, and to get us three points were the difference at the end of that season between us not being relegated by seven points, but in the end, we were, you know, we could have not been relegated by five points. So that's that's really important. You know, you don't want to... And, and I think we were eight points off a tenth, so... You know, fine margins. You know that Stevie Thompson double. If that didn't go in, you know we could be talking about a very different, a very different someone. You know, we might not have won the League Cup final and all the rest of it. And I don't think that's me just trying to find things to say about about Stephen Thompson. He's also now, if you believe the Daily Record, and I think someone's own Craig Ritchie who wrote the article. He's now or was a financial advisor for Lewis Morgan, Kenny McLean, and and Jason Naismith. And, and who's to say that that Stephen Thompson wasn't behind the deal that we got for? For Lewis Morgan when he left, you know, getting him back in to to see us to the to the league title and, and then a wee sell on as well. So 
No, for my money, that's that's plenty to get someone into the uh, the billing room at Hall of Fame and to uh, earn their football. space on the shelf. I think we should get a stand named after him. Stephen oh, Thompson, oh, obviously. Stephen Thompson, not that one main stand. <laughs> or we could have two oh, Stephen Thompson stands <laughs> facing yeah. each other. But to be fair, we're obviously the, the main stands named after Big Curtis. So. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we'd have to rename the Tony Fitzpatrick family stand to the Stephen Thompson, no, not that one, the one without a P family stand. Aye, that'll do for me. But I good to good to talk about Stevie Thompson off of that one article. So yeah, the, the Daily Record will have had hits on a, a page that they've not seen hits on in roughly twelve years. Aye. But, but there we go. Um, as with uh, as with last week, uh, I wanted to finish off this week's profile with a quote. But um, yeah, I only had one article in where you can find an actual quote from from Stevie Thompson, and it was it was fairly slim pickings. It's almost as if he wasn't expecting someone to be talking about it a decade later and trying to find meaning in it. So the the best that I can do, um, you know, and and having just spoken about the the real catalogue of stuff that that Thompson's done, I can understand his frustration that things always come back to to the Celtic game and, and he did say it's all anyone ever seems to mention people ask if I'm the man that got Tony Mowbray the sack it's my claim to fame <laughs> I, th- I think there's a better quote there I think there's a quote that's deeper that, that really speaks to us and I think if we had the time we could probably talk about it for another hour and that was it was a good squad to come into but it was a lot different from what I'd probably been used to with what that was being you know like actual teams at Crystal Palace and, and Brighton and all the rest of it it was yeah, a mature changing room. You had guys like Jim Hamilton, Gary Mason, Jack Ross, John Potter, guys that had been around the block. That was the hallmark of a Gus McPherson side. And and for me, that's that's poetry. Aye, I think that's where we should leave it. Aye, well, right there, because you're not going to get any better than that. No, I couldn't word it better than that. It's, it's beautiful. I'm actually, I'm actually greeting. Um, so I'm, I'm going to try and pull myself together <laughs> and uh, very quickly say that yeah, you can still pick up some of our merch miseryhunters.co.uk I, I think Jamie had shared something uh, yesterday about there being a, a promotion which is, is coming to an end fairly shortly where you can pick up a face mask with an order on the, the site if you if you go to the site you can read Andrew's blog and, and have a look through that there the um, charitable foundation is still going through their, their 12 days of of Christmas, I think it was a full signed Jamie McGrackett was the most recent mm-hmm. thing to, to be posted up there and, and absolutely worth um, worth bidding on if you've got, I, I would assume, four or five grand in order to secure that um, for someone's <laughs> Christmas. And, and if you're not paying that amount of money, then take a long, hard look at yourself because they yes. deserve it. And uh, I'll, um, I'll round it off with just a, a very quick fuck Alex Ray. Oh, fuck Greg Samson. Uh, well, I was going to go Alex Ray because he's currently commentating in the ga- Rangers game on my phone, but I'll just go with a, a, a big uh, fuck Boris Johnson and a Tory party. Oh, no, Quite literally. The yeah. part. <laughs> fuck any someone fans that vote Tory as well. Aye, yeah. Very much so. Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.